On today's show, I'm joined by Kevin and Reggie from 105.3 to fan to talk about are Kyrie and Luka good enough to win an NBA title together? What do the Mavericks need? We'll talk about that and more on today's Lockdown Mavs. I'm Luka Doncic and this is Lockdown Mavericks. Welcome to the Mavericks. NBA champion. He hit it. Burn. Burn. It's good. And the Mavericks have won the game. don't believe you shouldn't be here. And welcome, you are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, media member and NBA channel manager for the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for being part of the show, making Locked On Mavs your first listen every day. Join the Raccoon Squad, be an everydayer, subscribe or follow for free to search Locked On Mavericks wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. But the best way you can help us grow the show is to listen every day and to comment anything below. Let us know in the comment section, what's the Mavericks' biggest off-season need right now? What's their biggest one? If you want to support the show, uh, get texts from us and uh, and hear some rumors and stuff throughout the off-season, subscribe to our subtext, click the link in the description below. Yeah, it really helps the show out. And uh, joining me today, from the Get Right, 105.3, the fan, <laughs> Kevin Gray, friend of the show, been on multiple times, first-time guest, Reggie Atatula. What you guys got for me? I am so impressed that you do that read live every time. Every day. It's every incredible. time. Because yes. not only do you hit it flawlessly, it sounds fantastic. I just have to say, as like a nerd of the well, content space, like that's. It was well, almost meant like he was meant to be in the radio business or something. Mm, you know? It's a, well, we all know we all know why I'm not in the radio business. I know zero things about baseball. Um, <laughs> uh, I've done it like two thousand times at this point. I would hope that it would be good at, at this point. Uh, I've had people come up to me at Mavs games and do like the intro. Wow. Like word for a okay. word, like what I do with it. And I'm like, ooh, boy. But I used to do it for like, you know, uh, no dunks or like the, they were the starters or the basketball Jones before that. I, I would do that for them. Like I knew their intro. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to do an intro that I'm just going to say the same thing every day. And here we are. One of the things I missed about sitting next to Nick at Mavs games this past season was the fact that everyone would come up to him, whether it be pregame, postgame. Hey, what's up, Nick? Listen and watch Locked on Mavs every single day. And I'm just sitting there like, oh, my man Nick is a whole star out here in these streets. That's right. Handing and what out, would they you know, get, Kevin? And what would they get? A whole sticker, a whole lock. There it is. A whole uh, lock. Right on you. That's right. That's right. I, got like, I have like a thousand of them in this office everywhere. Well, they're waiting uh, for the uh, the MFFLs because they were always there ready to greet you at every Mavs game. By the way, I feel like I'm missing And Wings games, by the way. And Wings games, games, yeah. He gets, he gets uh, photographed as well. That's well, right. That's, that's true. I do get – sometimes I'll get te- I'll get tweets of people that have se- like seen me from across the way, which is – a little creepy. Just come and say hi at that point. <laughs> it's okay. By the way, I feel like I'm missing a beanie. Am I missing the Isaac Harris beanie today? I got a do-rag. Does that count? Yeah, I, know. Isaac, I feel like yeah, I should have had one. I don't, think, I don't think the listeners have ever seen Isaac's hair, ever. I think mm. I've seen it like twice in my life. And I, okay. I just, <laughs> Either hat or beanie. Hat or beanie. On today's show, let's get into uh, if we think Kyrie and Luca can be a 1A, 1B on a title team now that we just saw the Denver Nuggets win the NBA title. We'll talk about offseason needs, and we'll talk about what we expect from the Mavericks this offseason. So let's start with this, boys. At this point in the offseason, do you expect Kyrie Irving to stay? Who uh, I'm going to go 90-10, yes. I'm going to go 90-10, What's 90, the 10? 10, yes. where, where does the 10 come from in you? Well, you know, there's wild cards out there. Houston can money whip him if they, you know, feeling froggy about it. There's always the whole Phoenix Suns thing. I don't think that necessarily will happen. 
Um, the Lakers thing is always going to be a thing because no matter how much we say Kyrie's coming back to Dallas, there's always a certain ESPN host or two that says, uh, look it's out just for the one. It's just <laughs> the one. <laughs> is it just the one, the one that'll go on there? Okay. Uh, <laughs> that, that's right. That's right. Now, why would, now, they, why would he do that? It, exactly. So, but no, I, I feel pretty strongly that Kyrie's coming back. I mean, he's out here calling his boy LeBron out in Tinseltown. Like, Hey, you want to come join us here in Dallas to which I say, all right, Kyrie, that's cool that you want to be a recruiter and all, but the likelihood of that happening slim to none. But I feel good about Kyrie coming back this upcoming season and yeah, beyond. I've, I've been in that place, and KG is probably going to roll his eyes because he's heard this spiel multiple times. <laughs> it became very apparent with the Brooklyn Nets, like through the you know Instagram with the you know movie from Amazon or whatever, like through that situation, yeah. once he tightened up, that he was doing so to try and secure that long-term deal at max money, right? And then when the Brooklyn Nets did not, you know, negotiate in a way that showed him that he was going to get that, that is when the trade request uh, came in. He seems to be, and far be it for me to frequently try and anticipate what Kyrie Irving is thinking. But if there's one thing that I think that I can pinpoint in on is that's what his his objective is. And you look around the landscape and you try and pair that with a place where he has some chance of winning. Dallas seems to be the only place. And so, like, if you use that, that would be the way that I do that. Also, KG, I'm going to steal one of his points. He always talks about the fact that Kyrie has been very vocal on the idea of he wants to be somewhere where he's appreciated and not tolerated. Yeah. And it seems like the Mavs went far and beyond to try and make sure that he felt that way with the relationship that he has with Nico Harrison and Jason Kidd. Like, that is, uh, I think all of those things factor in and point us to the idea of, Kyrie remaining in Dallas, at least signing that in deal. Now, far further beyond that, we can discuss. Like all sorts of things could happen, but <laughs> signing that deal uh, and making sure that that free agency extends through as him as a Maverick going into this next season, I think that one I feel confident about. How about taking it in the next level? Okay, not tolerated, appreciated, but how about needed desperately? And I think that's where the Mavericks mm. are. And I don't know if anybody else is in that spot right now. Uh, I- I'm kind of with Kevin. It's 10, maybe 20%. And I put all that, like, 20% of me thinks that he may not sign in his camp. It's like, you just never know what he's going to, like, think or feel or what he decides to. You know, he's somebody that when he goes in on something, he goes all in. He's gone all in recently. I don't know if you follow his Instagram. I've got him oh, on no. notifications because I'm a Can't sicko. And <laughs> his his Instagram stories have all been about how bad our food is. And you start, like, watching some of these and like, damn, like, I'm, I'm eating really awful stuff. Like our, our food system is broken. And I'm like, okay, but he goes all in on it. And he, when he dives into something, he, he dives all in. And all of a sudden he decides, hey, I, I want to be somewhere else. I want to I do something else. I want to be with another, another team. Then you just don't know if he's going to try it and, and ask out. But let's just assume that the 80, 90% confidence rate that we have right now with Kyrie is correct. He does come back. Seeing what we just saw with the Nuggets, seeing the last couple of NBA championships, the teams that have made it there, Reggie, are Luca and Kyrie good enough to be a 1A, 1B to win a title? Yes. However. The question mark. Right? Like, <laughs> ha- however. Yes, yeah, so it was very upward inflection. Yes? Yes, but. Uh, <laughs> the issue, the thing that I took away from the Denver Nuggets was not simply how incredible Nikola Jokic was, which he is, and how great uh, Jamal Murray is coming off of that injury, which he is. It's the way that their team had a level of strength one through eight that I don't know that I could compare throughout the entirety of the playoffs. And I think that is Mm. the portion of this that's necessary. Not just the fact that you have incredible players up top, which Kyrie Irving, incredible player. Uh, Luka Doncic, clearly incredible player. It's the 
uh, you know, the, the, the assortment of players around them that are capable, that fit well together, and that are all pulling in the right direction. I think that that's where the Mavs struggle, right? Like this is something that you on Locked On Mavs have had to talk about day in and day out for how many years now? And Tell me. me on 105 <laughs> have pounded the drum on, right? It's just, I think that ends up being the issue. So those two guys, like there's a little overlap in their game. No, you know, no doubt. But we've seen those types of things, you know, manage to figure their way out. Even if you want to look at like, let's say the Boston Celtics, where the overlap in game between Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown exists. They've been deep in the playoffs how many seasons in a row at this point? Like that is a level of success that is attainable with these two players. The question then becomes things outside of just those two. So if you want to just go from the starting point of can they? Sure. What what does it take beyond that is the question for me personally. Yeah, I think for me, it's always going to be about the other guys. And to Reggie's point, one through eight, Denver was deep. And it's funny because I'm going to do the thing that Reggie doesn't like to do either, which is try to assign what is from a previous championship team to what could predict the future. Because I looked at a couple of years ago when Phoenix made the NBA finals and I looked at him, I said, this is how you build a perfect modern basketball team. You've got a quintessential point guard with Chris Paul, Devin Booker at the two. You had, you know, Jay Crowder, you know, it's your natural four. DeAndre, like you had all the elements, Mikael Bridges as your perfect three and D guy. I felt that that was the model and blueprint for what you could build towards a championship team for years to come. And then you've seen how that's obviously gone by the wayside. Yeah, the Warriors oh. and Nuggets the next two years were like completely not that. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's kind of so, why I don't like doing that, KG. Yeah, exactly. So, and that's why, I brought, that's why I brought up the point. So the larger point I'm getting to Let is – Let me bring up a part, point that's incorrect. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. The larger point I'm getting to is, is – what kind of other guys fit around your two centerpieces yeah. in Luca and Kyrie find those individuals and then build around what you need to, to have that team successful versus trying to build what you see from the nuggets or the warriors or from the Suns based on their personnel do and utilize what you have and then try to build a championship team moving forward from there. Kevin's like, I don't always tell you guys the truth. <laughs> no one's dying. Right. <laughs> No one's dying. <laughs> That's right. Goodness. That's right. That's uh, right. No one's dying, but the Mavericks are, are dying when it comes to their roster, their roster construction, and they need to mm. not be dying. They need, to, they need to revitalize it and put some life into it. What are their biggest needs in the offseason? We'll talk about that coming up. But before we do, let me tell you about Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. You can go check out and see what's available on Prize Picks. Just pick uh, two to six players and their projections, the more or less uh, on. Well, what they are going to score or what they're going to hit. Uh, there's all kinds of baseball ones that I don't understand that these guys probably understand better covering <laughs> the, the Rangers every day on the fan. Um, they have WNBA as well. Right now, Brittany Griner, 22 and a half points. You can pick the more or less on that against Seattle. You can uh, add that with Diana Taurasi, 17 and a half points, more or less. You put that all together, give an entry, and you can win out some money. Go see what's available. Use the promo code LOCKEDON to get $100 uh, on a on a deposit match, 100% of that you can go get at prizepicks.com. Again, that promo code is locked on. Download the app. Go to prizepicks.com right now. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out with us on Lockdown Maps, being part of this show, being an everydayer, part of the Raccoon Squad. We appreciate you. On tomorrow's show, Rafael Barlow, the draft expert. Like I really think he is the number one draft expert in the world. And he's on the show. He's got a lot of intel, a lot of stuff, people that he's been talking to, sources. Uh, he talks. We talk a lot about Derek Lively. He got to see, like, 
uh, a workout of Derek Lively. He doesn't think he was supposed to see when the cl- all the clutch people were in, the, were in the gym when he was staying there late at night. So he's got all the intel. Uh, come back with us tomorrow. All right, we're here with uh, Kevin Gray and Reggie Adetula from 105.3 The Fan talking about the Dallas Mavericks. And let's focus on their offseason needs. Um, let's just do this. What do the Mavericks need to win a championship? Every Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, go ahead, Rez. Now go ahead. No, it's it's tough because I think that answering this question, and of course, I'm going to do the patented Reggie thing where I make it way more difficult than it needs to be. Like you have to set you have to set your endpoint first, right? Like it's like the GPS. Where am I trying to go, and then we can navigate the rest of this. Um, how exactly do you want this team to look, and you nav- navigate the rest of this? Because there's a lot of different ways you can go about this. We can obviously start with the idea of they need defense. They need defense desperately because if you just start from your your star players, that is what is lacking there. So you need guys yeah. that can help cover that. So we're talking about a defensive anchor that JaVale McGee was supposed to be, right? We're talking about uh, wing defenders, like perimeter defenders that can hopefully knock down some shots as well, right? Those are the two things that I come back to uh, predominantly because that's kind of the way that most teams in the NBA are building at this point, particularly the perimeter defenders. And then the, the, you know, the anchor down low is just because those guys be getting beat on straight line drives. Right. So you kind of need someone behind that. But beyond that, like how, how exactly do you want those pieces to fit together? That's something that I, you know, do you need another, you know, point guard type player or do you want more of, you know, is Jane Hardy going to maybe fill some of that playmaking role off the bench? Right. You I think some of those questions can be answered uh, after that. But I think the biggest thing is that clearly the bigger blocks that you can focus on perimeter defense and uh, defensive anchor, at least somebody that can go and get boards and maybe even rim roll specifically to help with Luka Doncic as well. They need several things, but to go back to Kevin's uh, incorrect, correct point that he had earlier is that Mm -hmm. you can, you can make a championship team out of anything, right? Like you can have your main three be Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green that are very different than a Jokic, Aaron Gordon, Jamal Murray that are different than a Giannis, Drew Holiday, and Chris Middleton. Like you can make a champion team around anything. The problem is who's the third with, with these two guys. And with Luka and Kyrie, you have to have that third be an elite defensive player. And I'm curious to see how the Mavericks acquire that type of player, like an elite defensive player. But to me, that that's where you got to start is they, they have to acquire that type of, of player. And it doesn't have to be like a first team all NBA type guy. Aaron Gordon wasn't that, but he was really good enough. And Jokic was, was decent enough on defense that they covered enough of their, of their weaknesses to go win the title. Uh, and they went against everybody. They went against Carl Anthony Towns, yeah. Anthony Davis, like Bam Adebayo. Like they went against bigs that you would think would give him problems. And, n- and none of them ended up, giving them enough problems. So the question is, how do they acquire that third and then fourth player? Yeah, and I think what's difficult is when you look at what this team is looking for, they're looking for probably two, the two most difficult things in today's NBA, which is length, athletic wings that can guard and can shoot on the other end, but then find a rim protector and a guy in the middle that's athletic enough to guard multiple positions, but then offensively, can rim run and do kind of some of the things that you want in working with Luka Doncic. Like you looked at Bam Adebayo, you looked at Anthony Davis, you looked at Nikola Jokic, like you saw the advent of the big man and how those three individuals specifically were able to anchor their defenses and offenses respectively for the heat, you know, Lakers and the Nuggets. So the Mavericks have their work cut out for them. But I, for me, it's where do you want to start? Do you want to start inside out or do you want to start outside in? I want to start inside out because if you're going to find me a guy that's going to rim run with Luka be able to at least provide some kind of rim protection, I can start to go find some other defenders that at least in the interim can be at least serviceable defenders, but I got to have a guy on the back end, at least for me, 
that can erase and clean up things when things go wrong in front of me when it comes to perimeter defense. And, and on top of that, KG, one of the things you mentioned is like they're trying to find the most difficult things, the most sought after sought after things in this mm-hmm. NBA. And they need to do it for the low because their bread is yes. long, like proverbially. They don't have <laughs> mm-hmm. all these assets uh, available to them, at least right now. So that's the thing that makes it tough. Like, are there going to be bargain basement that, you know, uh, yeah. the values or, you know, proximities of these? So I think that makes it even more difficult for them. You look at what some of these championship teams have have done recently and where they've acquired some of these players is Aaron Gordon was like a, a late first round pick from the Nuggets. You look at Derek White, uh, they they were in the finals last year and in the Eastern Conference finals. They got him for a late first. Malcolm Brogdon, they got him for a late first. Like I think you can go get some of these players and I think that they, they can. They just got to nail each one. We can't have an offseason like last year. It can't be like a well, you know, we'll try Christian Wood or we'll try JaVale McGee. Like, it just can't be – you've got to have a guaranteed yes. Like, all right, we're bringing in Jarrett Allen. We're bringing in Miles Turner. We're right. bringing in uh, even Clint Capella. Like, we're bringing in this guy that we know mm-hmm. for sure he's coming in and being that in, like, in that spot. That being said, what do you think about this draft pick? Because a lot of people think that it's going to get traded or that it has to be traded. We talked about it. It could be malpractice if they don't, <laughs> if they don't trade this pick uh, <laughs> at this point. But what do you think about this and, and bringing in a rookie – to fill one of these roles that's that's so necessary. I think it's so tough to ask a rookie to step in and immediately have to be that. Now we've seen the capability of some rookies to come in and do that, but the pressure of saying you need to be this is, I don't think this is setting anyone up for success. And so the idea that you're putting that pressure on a number 10 pick would be tough, which is why I've kind of uh, settled in and gotten comfortable with the idea of trading back as opposed to trading yeah. out entirely. Um, and maybe extracting some value out of that 10 and maybe going to like 21 where Brooklyn is, or, you know, maybe something like 15, you know, where you get a little bit later, later down where we've still seen guys come in and be a portion of, be a part of the team, but getting something that's more of a known commodity that can help your team. Because as you mentioned, Nick, this is something that they have to nail. They can't afford to get through the off season and say, well, some of these hit and some of these didn't not really where you are. You need to hit, you've missed enough. You know, it's almost like a batting average in baseball to come back to your favorite sport, Nick. Right? Like if you if you've missed, <laughs> that was you good. Have, that was good. <laughs> thank you, That's thank good. you. If you haven't gone on base a lot, like if we, we need to get the batting average up, you can't afford to miss no more. You got to hit all these, and so I on think basis when you get on the base, that- that's correct. Okay. That's right. That's right. That's you know right. What? Round of applause. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. Uh-huh. Very uh, so, yeah, good. No, I, th- I think that's the place that they're at. It's just like I, I, th- I would like to see them extract some of the value out of that pick without completely losing it, because that's another thing is over the last four seasons or so, there's been a lot of talk about how young this team is, and that has always been patently false. It's been inexperienced. (laughs) It's been relatively old. And so, like, you also still need to have the opportunity to get a little bit younger to maybe sustain this. Because if you nail all of this and your team is uh, an average age of 33 or something, right, like how how valuable is that even in trying to maintain the service of Luka Doncic? Yeah, I think I've gotten on the idea where Reggie is in terms of, trying to you have to make a pick in the first round of this year's draft so if you're Mm. trying to move back a little bit maybe let's say atlanta who likes to play ball with dallas maybe you can go get clint capella and still remain in the first round and maybe draft you know 15 16 somewhere around there but to me the way that this is going and nick you know this as well the way that the collective bargaining agreement is going it's going to be real prohibitive for these teams to keep multiple superstars on their teams and your ability to build young with cheaper talent and then be able to sign them as you go on is starting the way you see a lot of teams starting to get possibly getting their books in order. Like, I feel like this is going to be a real busy summer. Teams mm-hmm. are going to try to get, you know, trade and get their books in order, that kind of thing. The Mavericks got to get on this early and not fall behind in terms of looking for younger talent 
for me, they have to make a pick in the first round. And it means either staying at 10 and picking there or finding a way to keep some value and then work with a team to be able to remain in the first round in that way. Those cost-controlled players are going to be so valuable going forward. And yeah. the bad contracts of the Davis, which comes off the books essentially next year, and the Tim Hardaway Jr. that'll be an expiring next season, but still this upcoming season will be two years left. Like Those are going to be bad for them because you got to have somebody produce in that spot. That has to be like your Aaron Gordon spot, mm-hmm. <laughs> which, which the Mavericks are not getting that kind of production. Coming up, what do we expect from this team? What do we expect to happen? Where's the confidence meter? I'm going to ask these guys this uh, coming up. All right, Kevin. All right, Reggie. Let's get into what we expect from the Mavericks this offseason because it feels like, at least from my point of view, where I scour and read every Reddit comment and, and YouTube comment and tweet, and like, the confidence level is, is low at this point. Of the things that we just mentioned before, the adding an, a, a semi-elite, a fringe elite defensive player, adding a center, drafting somebody in the first round, like Kevin said, what's your confidence meter? Let's go scale of zero confidence to five, like the most confidence. Let's go zero to five in Nico Harrison in this front office this offseason, Kevin. Oh, boy. I'm going to go at about a 2.75. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, here's the thing. And we've kind of talked about it a little bit. You're asking so much of the number 10 overall pick to try and make something shake here that you may have your expectations fall a little bit flat based on what you're needing. We talked about needing rim protection, needing you know multiple wing defenders, that kind of thing. How creative is Nico Harrison? You know, Andrew Baker, the capologist, you know, Dennis Lindsay, whatever his role is a part of this front office. How creative can this team get to be able to make something happen while still having an eye toward keeping Kyrie, building around Luca? And oh, by the way, ensuring by the time you get to 2024, that cat Luca is not talking about, hey, by the way, I might be wanting to get out of here in the next couple of years. So figure out a way to get this thing going. There's a lot that this timeline is asking for based on what this number 10 pick is asking. So I'm going to go about a 2.75 confidence. What got, what got you to 2.75? What's the move that you look back on and you're like, I was feeling good about Nico Harrison. And all of a sudden they heated that. Okay. So it's not Nico Harrison's fault per se, but we saw what the Denver Nuggets did and having, how long was Nico, Nicola Jokic and Jamal Murray together years. Yeah. Jalen Brunson walked out the door for nothing. So I know his situation is unique. Daddy over there, you know, working with Tom Thibodeau and all. I know it was home and all that stuff. But him not being here and then being able to work with those two and build from those two is something that I think for Mavericks fans, they're going to look back on it for a long time and say, how did it not happen? Even with all the circumstantial things that surrounded Brunson and the reasons why he decided to go to New York versus staying. It's almost as if the injury was helpful for the Nuggets in that, right? Like that he wasn't as sought after a play. It's kind of weird to look back and say, like those those players could be in a similar situation. They're not the only ones, right? Like the Warriors' whole dynasty. I'm about to say, there it is. There it is. Fortunate injuries. Like that's kind of how this goes. Is sometimes you just get lucky. Uh, Can I speak to the frustration of Jalen Brunson? I wasn't going to bring it up, but now that we're here, Um, (laughs) (laughs) since we're here, uh, the thing that I that really upsets me about the Jalen Brunson thing is like. This team over that period had really prided itself on finding diamonds in the rough. Someone like a Dorian Finney-Smith is just like a shining example of that. I looked at Dorian Finney-Smith and I was like, why are you investing so much time in this? And turns out they found like an elite 3 and D player. And I was like, oh, wow, that's fantastic. And I just, you just saw the development. And so Maxi Kleba is also one of those players that I was like, yeah, I don't know about this cat. And it turns out he's been one of your better defensive players and a guy who's been able to add in on offense, all those things, right? 
And that made me even more frustrating when I frustrated when I kept thinking about that. I was like, you could see the, you know, you had the foresight to see the value there, but not Jalen Brunson. All right. Like, you know, cause obviously the timeline kind of worked out a little weird for them where it was like when they were actually ready to come around and offer, he had already felt like he had been in this place or whatever. But I was like, I felt like it, the team of foresight that they had maybe build themselves as or whatever um, would have gotten ahead and just done that deal the year before. Right. Like, just go ahead and sign him up to that 55. Well, what they what they tried to do is they tried to trade him is, is what yeah. happened. And that probably made it worse overall. I don't sure. want to I don't want to rehash this with the, the we raccoon, were there. I'm the sorry. Squad. Bad. Everyone we listening there. knows we've talked about this enough, time, <laughs> enough times on this specific show. Uh, but what's, what's your, your original question? Yeah. Yes. What's your confidence meter that the, the, the front office will get done what they need to this offseason? That is at a solid two, not 0.75, a solid mm. two. And it's for a couple of reasons. For one, um, how difficult we've, we've kind of talked about this on our show. I know you've talked about it a ton of locked on Mavs. The amount of threading the needle that this offseason is going to need for this team in particular, how many uh, front offices do you think could actually land that anyways? Right? Like a, away from whatever competence or incompetence you believe uh, is happening in the Mavs front office. This is a difficult needle to thread to begin with. Like that's very uh, hard to do with not a lot of assets. Again, mentioning all of the different things that they need to do. And then also the short timeline that, that we believe they're on with uh, making sure to satisfy Luka Doncic and getting yourselves to um, contention and being in that place consistently. It's really tough. Now we bring back in the element of we could talk about Jalen Brunson. We could talk about, you know, the ways that you've got yourself into a place where you needed to um, have a heave, you know, a last second heave trade to get Kyrie Irving to just get anything, right? Like we could talk about all the places uh, that this franchise and this organization um, can kind of be openly laughed at in some ways about their front office situations and like whether right or wrong, the idea that that's there is not nothing. And so it's difficult. And I don't necessarily look at them as like, yo, this is the best wheeling and dealing front office to like to do it. And the inexperience that you can talk about with Nico Harrison and the fact they're bringing in a whole new executive into this, like, what is the hierarchy? Do they understand what those hierarchies are? Do they have a working relationship already? Like, and all of those things are being figured out on the fly in the most difficult uh, off season that we've seen for them in a long time. That's a lot to nail and a lot to land. And so I'm just not super confident. Maybe they do it. And now we're doing the in Nico, we trust possibly. And I really hope that they do because it'd be great for all of us as we have to talk about this team, but I just not wildly confident on that. Reggie is like, it's great. It's great, dude. Dude, it's great. It's great. It's great, broski. Bro, name it. It's great. It's great. It's great, bro. It's great. It's great. It's great. This life's great, bro. I have no complaints. I don't. It's the longest. That's an all-time Kyrie. That's an the longest drop that just keeps oh, going, and I gosh. love it. Let me try to talk you up to a three. Okay, please do. So I think that of all the all the holes are are relevant. Yes, but if you look at this Denver Nuggets team, they got by with what like eight players because they have two stars that can cover a lot of things. Uh, offensively on their end. The Mavericks have the same thing that they can, sure. they have two stars and cover a lot offensively. So all they need to do is add a couple role players. And I think they just need to add three players. You need to add a center. You need to add a defensive wing and you need to add a, probably one more defensive wing. That's maybe not on the level of like a 30 minute per game in the playoff starter, but they, they do need to add that somehow. And maybe to Reggie's point, another young player to keep this going and to, to walk and chew gum at the same time, like yeah. to, to exist, but also <laughs> exist in the future. They, they have some assets to do it and it is a tough needle to thread, but you have the 10th pick, you have the future, you know, what is it? The 2027 pick you have in your arsenal, you have Tim Hardaway, who's a contract, but not 
not like negative value, not great value. He's probably right about even, right? Where you're like, okay, it's two years left. I can swallow it. If a team needs shooting like the Cavs or somebody like that or the Grizzlies that need some shooting, we can bring him in and, and feel good about it. You have Jaden Hardy and Josh Green that you can you can use to trade if, if you need to, if it ends up getting that way. I think they can make a move. I think they can make all those moves, or at least those three moves. In maybe they do the trade back with Atlanta. They get Clint Capella. They get then maybe Derek Lively, or they get uh, you know Case Walls. Maybe he falls a little bit. Jordan Hawkins, the shooter. Like maybe they they get that at the fifteenth pick. Right. So you got your center at that point. Then you use the future first, and like you know, and and Davis's contract or Tim's contract. You use that to go get yourself. Maybe you put it all together and you get DeAndre Hunter in that in that too, or you go get uh, you bring in Dylan Brooks somehow and some kind of sign and trade, and maybe that's your defensive. Hey now, hey now, and then you Ooh can. Boy, we're we are raising the level of difficulty on Jason Kidd, aren't we? Okay, all right, I'm sure, <laughs> sure. I think I think they believe in their culture enough to do that move. By the way, I think that the Mavs would do that. I don't know. Don't that ask me if I do. I don't know that they should, but I think they will. And then and then you bring in Matisse Tybel on a like on a minimum deal, who's been connected to the Mavericks before. That's another defensive wing okay. you could bring in. And all of a sudden, like, that doesn't sound too hard. We try to make sure. it sound super hard, but you add, like, three players without getting rid of as many rotation players, all of a sudden you have a starting lineup of, like, Clint Capella, either DeAndre Hunter or somebody, Luca, Kyrie, Reggie Bullock, Maxi off the bench, Josh Green off the bench, Jaden Hardy, you know, one of the rookies, Derek Lively, Kobe Bufkin, or... Uh, Jordan Hawkins, like all of a sudden, like, okay, it's starting to feel like a real basketball team again. And like, it doesn't sound as impossible if you lay it all out in those terms to me. And you can do the same thing with Indiana with Miles Turner or Jared Allen with the Cavs. Like there's some guys out there that I think could be available. The Mavericks have the stuff to go get. I, I am going to go to a three. I yeah, do appreciate it. I do appreciate because right. one thing I'll, I'll I also, give you the extra 2.5 from me. Yeah, there you go. I always err on the side of like pessimism. I sure. think that serves me better uh, than just being wildly <laughs> optimistic. But no, I think that is fair, right? Like the idea, especially when you mentioned, go back to the fact that KG mentioned, and rightfully so, like the new second apron. And, you know, the, 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 the fear of that has, has teams maybe more willing to move off of some pieces just to get their books in affair, and affairs in order. So Hello, Toronto. I, Jeez. Yeah, yeah. Well, Toronto. Have, have they decided that they're finally going to? That's what I'm saying. Like, no. I'm, I'm waiting, just like the rest of the league, on what Toronto is <laughs> trying to, you know, figure out what they're going to do now that uh, Van Vliet decided to. You yeah, know, they have zero guards option. now. They have they have none guards. Exactly. They have none exactly. guards. None guard. To your point, there are teams like Brooklyn is going to be one of these teams that if they want to re-sign Cam Johnson, if they re-sign Cam Johnson to his con- they're going to be in that second apron. And like that's yeah, not a team mm-hmm. that deserves to be there. Hawks are going to be there with all those contracts they have. They uh, next year are going to have to re-sign a Kongwu and they're going to have to re-sign uh, Dejounte Murray, and you can't do that <laughs> with this new apron. Like you, you got yeah, get- but maybe they'd be willing to pay because I don't know if you saw on Twitter they're they're winning it next year. Winning, I don't know if you saw winning that what? Trey Young said oh. that they're, they're, they got it next year. So oh. okay, cool, good for you, man. Oh. Good for you. Like, <laughs> yeah, cool. Right. There are teams, and then what? What are the Warriors going to do? Like, yeah. Oh boy, you, you were asking which which front office could could thread this needle, could actually make this happen. Bob Myers was one of the ones I would say that could do that, and now he's yeah. gone. So it's now one less gone, front yeah. office that could do it. Uh, and yeah, so who knows? But uh, any any last thoughts on what you expect to happen? Is there some, is there a prediction you want to get off your chest that you've been sitting on that you want to see the Mavericks do or you expect the Mavs to do? I'm going to predict on draft night we're going to get a three-team trade with the Mavericks. I don't know who that would be, but that would be my guess because I feel like based on what you were describing, you would probably need multiple teams involved here. And if we're talking about you know possibly moving off of Tim Hardaway's descending contract, Davis Bertans, 
who are you trying to pay to get them to take that contract off your hands to go along with maybe the 10 pick? I feel like you're going to need multiple teams involved to get something done. Or maybe, like I said, Atlanta likes to play ball with Dallas. Those things tend to work out usually with them and the Mavericks. The whole Clint Capella thing is one that I really like. But then again, as I mentioned, I want to see what Toronto's doing. Like, what, what decision are they going to make that either they stay with what they have or if they decide to sell off, you know, Siakam or OG Ananobi, who what at one point was commanded, what, three first-round picks, something ridiculous like that? Yeah. It was just wild back then. So that would be my offseason, you know, expectation is that they'll move off the 10th pick, but I think there'll be multiple teams involved with the Mavericks on draft night to try and get that done. I, I don't know what to expect. Like it's quite literally an off season that I have not been able to see very clearly, see, like see through the other side of. So like, I expect hilarity. Is that, is that fair? <laughs> I, I, well, I, we, I, we did get a report this week that two, two, three, four, five, and 10 in the, in the first round could all be traded. Like <laughs> shout out to that which, one ESPN reporter, right? That's I mean, right. yeah, but then Raphael con- right. confirmed it, that he's heard of all those being traded. So it's, yeah, that is uh, wild considering that it's a four, it's a, basically a four man draft. Is it not like, so and all, and three of those four men could be on different teams than they expected. <laughs> right. So. Right. So no, I, I'm, I'm just wildly excited to see also like I, I, I'm wildly excited to see this as a measuring stick for Nico and the rest of the front office. Cause again, like this is still relatively new and there's been yeah. a lot of on the job training here. So this is a very, like, I, at least I still consider it a very large hurdle. I'm very interested to see um, what I can start to say is the MO of this front office. Cause I don't know that I have a definitive saying like, Oh, that's what they do. You know, this would be, I was gonna say, real quick, this is for me, this is the most consequential offseason for this front office maybe for the next five years other than when we get to luca decision time you know a few years from now this will be the most consequential offseason for them for years to come at least based on what they've got to do this offseason in my mind and let's hope it's consequential in a good way uh go listen to kevin and reggie on the fan uh go check them out on twitter they got all kinds of other stuff that they're doing as well so you can check them out and uh yeah thanks so much for listening to lockdown maps peace out